0: So she put me and a friend of me into the studio and all the class watched, watched us. And she said, look how a nav make it bad and how Rachel make it good. And she asked the class, what is bad in the way I make this movement? And this, this uh, day, uh, unless it was uh, 30 years ago, so I do remember what I felt. I felt like I can't, I can't even improve anymore because I am bad. You know, we were uh, students in school, so in history, when my uh, teacher told me, you should fix your answer so I can fix it. But when she said this to me, to my body in in, in the studio, that it is bad, I, I felt like I can't go anymore because... I can't leave my body here and have some better body.
1: Dr. Enav Rosenblatt is a Dharma teacher and a lecturer of dance research and philosophy of arts. She earned her Ph.D. at Tel Aviv University with a dissertation called The Original Face of the Body, which presented a Zen reading of contemporary dance. Inav's first book, To Human Body, Zen Buddhism in the Art of Contemporary Dance, was published in 2014. Her second book, Hungry Ghost, Israeli Dance and National Identity, was published in 2018. You're listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian White-Mar. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the Online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. To find out more, visit quantumzenonline.org. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are eligible for a free month of training using the promo code SIT, Breathe, Bow. All one word. Now, enough, you are Israeli. You were uh, born and raised in Israel. I'm just wondering what was the process of encountering the Dharma in Israel? you know, how you found it and why it's become such a big part of your life.
0: Yeah, well, um, I'm at 46 now, and when I was uh, 26, so I used to dance in a dance uh, school, uh, professional school for dance, and my knee uh, got injured um, very, very... a tough inj- injury in my knee. And I tried uh, many uh, therapies, also conventional therapies and also some holistic therapies and nothing worked. And I couldn't dance. And either I couldn't walk there because my knee was so uh, pain in pain. And then I went to my first Vipassana um, course, which was in Israel, um, These days, there weren't so many um, practices and courses in Israel. There was only Vipassana, the Theravada Buddhism, Vipassana of the Gwenka. So I went to my first course. And when I finished it, I felt like my knee uh, is much better. And then I've made five more Vipassanas. And my knee uh, is uh, recovered, was recovered. And after these courses, uh, it seems that it came to my mind uh, the feeling that um, this kind of practice uh, can change on not only body, but uh, also my mind and my habits of mind. And I found out that in my knee, there wasn't only uh, physical uh, elements, but also mental elements and that's why why i tried to make to make it uh part of my life because i felt that there is a huge transformation that they can earn through this practice uh, so uh, i started with this vipassana um, course and then a few years afterwards i've met my teacher Jacob Raz who was one of the first uh, masters uh, of Zen Buddhism in Israel. He was taught in Japan in a Dogen uh, uh, school. And he came uh, to Israel and he started to teach and he has also a Sangha. Uh, So I got into his Sangha and then I found out that Zen school is much more Uh, fitable and uh, uh, possible in my life since I became a mommy and I couldn't go to this Vipassana long courses anymore and when I uh, started to uh, study it academically so I find find out also the theory of Zen of Mahayana uh, is better for me better for my practice and then it, it will be the part, the the main part that they teach students now.
1: So I want to go back to your knee just for a a, yeah. a brief second, because that's kind of amazing to think about um, your knee being healed uh, through, you know, some sort of release. I guess that you found through meditation and it's just kind of ironic I, you know when i talk to people a lot of them sort of complain about how much their knees hurt when they have to sit yeah. meditation but yeah. you you were actually found it as a relief um what do you, can you unpack that a little bit
0: yes um it was very painful you know the first course was the, the most painful and then it became less but um I think that because I was a dancer, so I came with uh, a lot of discipline, self-discipline uh, to go through pain. And I found out that this pain, when I'm sitting and only observing it, it changed. And when when I used to dance in studio, so I couldn't have the time and not the empathy to my knee, to look about this pain and to be, um, to embrace it. So in this courses, it was very painful, and my knee was uh, really, really in a kind of uh, surgery. Maybe uh, that's what, how I felt. Uh, it's like I've made my only uh, MRI to my knee, and at last, it got. Easier, and the pain was disappeared. But it was uh, a very long uh, journey uh, to make it. You know, a six-week person night was really uh,
1: a journey. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and it does strike me that the the ten-day Goenka retreat, the one that you did, is an incredibly embodied retreat. You know, you sort of start with just noticing the sensation of your breath on your lip if i'm remembering it correctly and and i'm just wondering how or i'm wondering how you think that real focus on the body was able to allow you to see what else you were holding and then also you know what it was about zen that sort of drew you because your life is so embodied as a dancer, like why not to stay right in the in the Theravadan tradition?
0: Yeah. Um so at first about this Vipassana um praxis, uh, I think that you know, uh in Vipassana course, the three first days are only anapana, you're only uh fixed on your um inhale and exhale and that's all you have to do and when I uh, started uh, to practice so I realized that in my whole uh, life as a dancer I couldn't find the right way to breathe I always wanted to breathe more uh, more deeply or as in in a way that it will serve my movement, but when I made this anapana for so long time after the courses, I, I used to practice at home a lot. I I'm really really uh, <laughs> I I really found out that this can help me. So I was a very very. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't lazy into <laughs> it so when I uh, tried this anapana thing I found out my breathing my natural breathing and it was the first time to to know it although I used my breath as a dancer and as a woman you know uh, and then on the on the fourth day we uh, start to make vipassana which means uh, to go through all body and observe it and then i found out that i really didn't know my body and also i was so bad to him no compassion at all so from there on uh through the years that i practice and i teach i really understand on my body these uh, two ways, you know, wisdom and compassion. And I couldn't be compassionate to my body as a dancer. And also I didn't know what is really going on it because I always wanted to be something else. So that's why uh, my first theme in my book and in my dissertation is about this about this body that I thought I knew but I wasn't inside it I, I always was uh, reflective on it but very very bad reflection that made it that it couldn't move like it wanted to, to move this body do I make sense with my work
1: <laughs> it's a, It's actually really, it's a profound idea in the sense that I, th- I think a lot of people walk around thinking that they don't really know who they are, or they don't even know their body, or they think they do, but then yeah. in a moment of honesty, they say, I don't really know. And then to actually have someone who has given her whole life over to the discipline and the understanding and the movement of her body to then say oh, wow, I don't even know my body. It's yeah. almost as if, like, if, if someone in your position doesn't, then <laughs> really no, nobody does. And, you know, what a profound awakening that is.
0: I, I don't dance professionally uh, on the last uh, 15 years. I think it's because I knew that if I come back to the studio, so it will be for me it will be hard to keep being inside the body. You know, Ellen Watts says, you should come back to where you are. And they really think that being back to where we are is into our body and they see friends which are, you know, they make sport or or something else with the body. And they really treat it as something which is different for them from them. So the the reason why I go I went through dance and now I used to meditate is because I feel that this is the only way for me to cultivate my body and see it naked, you know, no, not not naked <laughs> intimately. I, I mean be be in the in most part of it. And Yes, I think that this is my new goal in life, not to be a dancer, but to know my body and let people know the body and shape it in a way that they like it, they get it, that they accept it. Yes.
1: You know, one thing that you said to me uh, in just our conversation prior to the call was an experience you had where, as a dancer, you you had this realization where you said something to the effect of um, you feeling like your body was bad, which actually meant that you were bad. And I'm wondering if you can sort of maybe explore that a little bit more for the listeners of what that, I don't know. Do you remember saying that to me? And yes, where of course. Was?
0: Oh, yeah. Ah. So uh, let me tell you, I was uh, a little girl. I was 14 in a studio, a dance studio, and my teacher uh, which wasn't enlightened any- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anyhow uh, so she put me and a friend of me uh, into the studio and all the class watched, watched us and she said, look how Nav make it bad and how Rachel make it good and she asked the class what is bad in the way I make this movement? and this this uh, day, uh, unless it was uh, thirty years ago, so I do remember what I felt. I felt like i can't I can't even improve anymore because I am bad. You know, we were uh, students in school, so in history, when my uh, teacher told me, You should fix your answer so I can fix it. But when she said this to me, to my body in in the studio, that it is bad. So I I felt like I can't go anymore because I can't leave my body here and have some better body. And then I wrote myself, uh, since I'm writing (laughs) from the day I was born, I think. So I wrote myself. When I was 14, I wrote myself, how could my body make me feel so suffering? And this answer, this question was something that 10 years later I found out in this Vipassana Cross as as a very, very uh, blood and uh, bleeding uh, question, because I shouldn't feel like this, but I couldn't find out then the way to get out of this problem because my body is bad so I am bad also and I think that it is a character not only of dancers or students or students for uh, unenlightened uh, teachers I think we all it is all of us that we always or most of the time we want to be in another body or in another life, or in another relationship, or, you know, everything. And I think that what I felt as a dancer is sort of a micro or or an example for the whole uh, people. Because when I got into studio, also today, when I get into studio to some of my practices, so I, I feel two things. I feel that I want to be there. And also, I can feel that I don't want to be there at all because I don't want to manage with my body when when it's hard or when I don't have the the, uh, strength and the energy. And I think that's how uh, people feel with their life. You know, sometimes we do want our life or these moments, and sometimes we just want to (laughs) go go out of it, and we can't. So we have to learn to be into our body and into our life, even though sometimes we want to uh, run away.
1: I agree with you entirely. I, As you were talking, I was thinking about what's the meaning of the creation story that sort of is at the, the foundation of Judaism, Christianity, Islam. You know, you have this story of a man and a woman who get thrown out of paradise, right? And what, the cons- what they do is their body is suffering, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like a story trying to explain <laughs> why do we hate our bodies so much? You know, why do, we, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. men have to labor, women suffer. It's, um, and it's almost as if it's a human condition of just wanting to get away from this body. And then someone who gives themselves, like a dancer does, it's almost, uh, you know, you almost are really confronted by this this body tension. Mm -hmm. So how did then, you know, how does the Dharma offer us a path out of that suffering? Of really dealing with the body in a way that's isn't there to provoke shame, but to really find out who we truly are. How how has the Dharma led you in that direction?
0: I feel that Dharma uh, invites us uh, to learn about the body wisdom. And I feel that if we study the body wisdom, we can be clever, much more smart and clever in our mind. What I mean is that in the body, you know, all, all the characters of reality are at first in the body the first one is the pratitya samupada this dependent co-arising which is the way the body is built and as people or as uh, many selves we 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 find out all all we we looking we are looking for uh self, which is different from others. And when you look into the body, you see how every organ is really connected to the other organ and it, it is connected with metta, with this uh, loving kindness. Just for example, you know, uh, uh, the ribs which are uh, con- uh, taking care of the other, uh, you know, the heart and uh, the lungs, all, all all the uh, organs of the body are all um, cooperate to make this machine to work. And I think knowing this way that the, the way the body works can make us work with ourselves better. You know, Buddhist uh, Buddhism says that uh, we are not uh, a self, but um, skandos, uh, yeah.
1: You know,
0: aggregates. skandos. Yeah, know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. So when you meditate and when you look at y- your body, you really see these aggregates. You really see that your pain in your uh, leg started also from the back and then you feel your neck and you really feel that it is an aggregate of events and not an object, and this is the first uh, thing that the Buddha uh, thought about: that reality is not what we think. Reality is always changing. So this is the first part, the first uh, element that I think that we can uh, um, learn from the body, and then we can learn about the way can recover itself. And, uh, you know, every injury that is recovered, we are not stopping to say, wow, the body do do this, but it does. Um, and I think our mind helps also, this opportunity. I think, I know that the mind has this opportunity to fix itself and to make it in a good tools and in, in a good character but we have to know first that it can be. And when I'm looking at my body and I see how it fixes itself and how it it goes to itself with compassion, so maybe I can make it also with my soul and spirit and mental habits.
1: Mm. So can you tell me a little bit about your books here um, and what... What does it mean to say uh, to have a, a Zen reading of dance, and and where is this sort of scholarship going in terms of you know writing about a, a sort of a, a dharmic reading of how dance is appearing in the contemporary world?
0: Yes, so in my uh, uh, first uh, book, Two Human Body, I I dealt with Uh, This body wisdom, which I told uh, you right now that in my attitude it is deeper than the intellect mind. And the book presents the way the body is smarter than us. And also the way we can learn from the bodily habits and transform our mental habits. So what I did in my book, which is uh, part of my dissertation was to find out the relationship or, or the similar characters between dancing and meditating and i tried to fit to find out the mental uh, situation or the mind sim- situation when we dance and when we meditate so the book It has uh, five chapters. The first chapter is, uh, it calls uh, the pain or the origin of pain. And then I am writing about what I told you before about this uh, dancer, this uh, little girl dancing and and thinking she's not good enough. And then I'm talking about this not good enough uh, as a theme in Buddhism. And this is the first chapter. The other chapters, I I try to uh, observe uh, themes like no self or knowing without knowing uh, in dance. And I think what I, I argue there is that if you want to dance, to really dance, so you shouldn't be there with your all CV, your all Uh, self um, uh, way, uh, your ways of making yourself as an issue, you should drop what you know about yourself and then find out the other self, which is uh, uh, this enlightened self that uh, Dogen is talking about, Uh, self of presence, not self of uh, words. And um, I the last chapter I thought that the last chapter we talk about I talk about satori about enlightened, but actually after seven years of dissertation in Tel Aviv University, so I really didn't feel like uh, enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> so the last chapter of my book called um, "Practice as Realization." which is a note of Dogen, Dogen, uh, uh, the establisher of Soto Zen, uh, who, who, who says that if we practice, this is the only realization we can get, and we don't have to want to be an uh, arhat or bodhisattva or whatever. We, we have only be uh, aware and practice and this practice is the only way to be enlightened every moment. Uh, so this was my um, it uh, called Satori. Uh, uh. Knowing, knowing of this uh, uh, way after I finished my book I thought about I can meditate or dance or I'm doing Pilates, you know, and every kind of uh, uh, bodily um, sport. And when I practice, that's it. I don't have to get somewhere else. Only practicing is the way, in in Dogen's uh, words, it's a way to get out my inner self, my my inner enlightened self. So I felt like when I finished my book, I knew more about how I should dance and how I should meditate. I should meditate only for meditation, not for getting elsewhere. And then the real transformation is happening uh, from a moment to moment, you know. Mm.
1: And how do you, so you teach both dharma and um, dance, research. dance research. And so yes. when you're working with dancers and maybe you're working with meditators, uh, is there a similarity that you're teaching in terms of uh, trying to come from this, you know, the true self? Or like, how does that translate when you're talking to people who are dancers? And yes, how, how do well, you guide them as a teacher, as a dormant teacher?
0: Yes, I think I think uh, my students, my dancer students. So I do teach them uh, dance research and uh, history of dance, but actually I teach them to love their body. So I, I, uh, my my lessons are theoretically. Uh, I'm not. Uh, dance teacher today but when I'm talking about dance and when I show them dance so actually I want them to think about their body and think how they don't make this gap between the realistic body and the body that they would like and I want them to mind the gap to see uh, the gap between the body they really have and the body that they want and try to fix it this gap. And when I teach meditation, med- meditators and uh, practitioners, uh, I think I'm talking more about the body because they don't really know how to deal or to use the body. So dancers, dancers do know about the body, but they do know about the body that they want to be. And other people, when I teach, I really think that this is uh, my uh, kind of teaching, which is different from others. I really want people to first feel their knees, their elbows, their uh, chin. Before they try to talk about intellectually, you know, uh, um, problems of dharma, I really uh, take them back to their body. And my philosophy and academically, uh, tools come just afterwards. First people should sit and know where, their, um, where are their organs because people really don't really know.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you had this, again, in a conversation we had earlier, you were talking to a dancer who said, you know, I hate my body and this is my only tool. And it must have, you know, when you said it to me, it sort of hit me right in the chest because of course it's almost, I mean, so many people could actually say that about themselves, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, maybe it's the mind or the emotions. Or I, you know, I hate this and it's the only thing that I have. And it feels like such a, a stuck place for so many people. Um, And I, I guess I've never really heard a teacher uh, say it as directly as you've said it in terms of, yeah, first is that we first have to go and love what we have. So that then you can start to you know understanding your true self, but this hate just seems to get in the way because <laughs> you want something that it's not.
0: Yes, uh, I used to talk to to groups about uh, care take taking care of our body like we we are taking care of our uh, child's children because uh, I, I give the example that when uh, uh, my daughter is in pain, so I take her in my uh, hands and uh, I'm taking care of her and I, I really uh, carrying her even though I don't know why she is pain and even though... She's pain because in her fault. I don't know, maybe she she fall down or something. So it doesn't matter the reason. I do take care of her. And I'm talking to people that we, sometimes we are not doing this with ourselves. Because if our body is pain, so we really feel like we don't want to be part of it. But we should... um, uh, taking care of it like we are taking care with our children because unless we do that it will be painful much more painful um, uh, it, it, it becomes a demon and, and the demon is in our mind and the body itself is only trying to tell us something and we should, we should listen not close uh, the door uh, for it because it will be there and it will be uh, worser if you want to listen
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow I hope you found the conversation with Dr. Ena Rosenblatt encouraging and helpful for your practice If you can read Hebrew, you can find out more about her work by visiting her Facebook page at facebook.com slash E-I-N-A-B dot Rosenblit, R-O-S-E-N-B-L-I-T dot 3. I'll also put a direct link to it on the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of this podcast are eligible for a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To receive your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and use the promo code sit, breathe, Bow, all one word. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar, and I hope you'll join me again next week.